one more time to Joshua chapter 10. And I know Miss Katina did last week and a week before we, we have been lingering on this place. And there are a few places, a few areas that we will touch before we leave this beautiful prayer that Joshua prays. So I want to start from verse 1 on Joshua chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, you can turn over there. And there are a lot of names here on this chapter. Please don't worry about the names. It's just the context um, for which I want to read. Now, Adonai Zedek. Adonai Zedek is, is uh, actually in the original text means, uh, you know, it's related to justice, right? The, the, he's a king of Jerusalem, but the, the thing is that uh, this king of Jerusalem has heard what Joshua has done uh, to the two cities. So that's why the Bible says, heard that Joshua had taken I and totally destroyed it, right? Uh, doing to I and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king. So, totally there were 31 kingdoms that uh, Joshua was supposed to uh, take over, and uh, he has only done two at this point. The way he was going about is that uh, Joshua was coming to the center of the promised land, and he wants to destroy the centerpiece of it, what people saw as like a strength or source of strength in the center, he was going after the strength in the middle of the promised land. He just like a quickly gone to the main parts of the promised land and he's destroying it, right? And he and his people were very much alarmed. That's what the NIV says, but the the New King James says that he and his people were very much feared at this because Gibeon, uh, so the, the thing is, oh, I missed the one part, that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and had become their allies. So not only that uh, the Joshua and his people are taking over all these places, but what they considered as another strong army in the middle, Gideon is also joined with uh, Joshua. So they are becoming stronger and stronger. The thing is this, like in the walk with Christ every day, God just like adds more to our journey. And he makes us stronger every day. Sometimes through words like this that we meditate on, Sometimes it's uh, the people. Sometimes it's the circumstances. But it is God's desire to strengthen our heart every day, right? And so the same way here, God is strengthening the children of Israel every single day of their journey, right? And so um, moves on to the third verse. It says, uh, Adam, 
Adami Zedek, king of Jerusalem, reached out to Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, the king of Jarmuth, Zafia, king of Lachish, and Debir, king of Eglon. Come up and help me attack Gibeon, he said, because it was it has made a peace with Joshua and Israelites. We saw that a couple of weeks ago. How when we are in the Lord getting stronger and stronger, the enemy may not have the weapons to come after us, but he'll go after the ones that we love. Right? Because Anytime we leave a hole, anytime we leave a space for the enemy to go after, he's going to go after that part. Now, the, the, the five kings of Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon, joined the forces. They moved up all their troops and took up positions against the Gibeon and attacked it. So, what is so curious here is that the battle has already begun. They have come together, they strategized, they're already attacking, right? In the middle of the attack, the Gideonites sent word to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal, do not abandon your servants, come up to us quickly and save us, help us. Because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. This is where I was just like a very curious. Uh, if we look at the book of Joshua, right, we just need to set a little bit of context, and that's why I'm just like a, going a little slow here. I'll get to the point um, very quick. Joshua chapter 6, and uh, when we go back and read, it's about Joshua taking over Jericho. Joshua 7 and 8, it's about taking over the land of Ai, Ai, right? And in, when it came to Joshua 9, Joshua was actually tricked by Gibeon, right? And the Bible says, like, the inhabitants of Gibeon, this is Joshua chapter 9, verse 3, heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and I, they worked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors. And the, so the thing is that they actually tricked Joshua into doing something. Now, Joshua could have just said, I will not come and attack you guys, Gideon. But if someone attacks you, I'm just going to look from the distance because only I will not make a war against you. That's the treaty. Right? He could have said that and everything would have been fine. Right? But instead, when he got the appeal from the king of Gibeon, Joshua, verse 7 says, marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. Why, why would Joshua do it? Joshua would have been fine not fighting this army. We would have done that a lot of times 
if, if our enemy is getting attacked by their enemies, we would say, our enemy's enemy is my friend. Let him attack. Let him get destroyed. Right? But Joshua goes after to help Gideon. Why? Because, you know, Gideon was not only the stronghold in the promised land, but the ones coming against Gideon are one day are going to come against Joshua. Sometimes we need to use the forces that are against us to fight against that enemy. I heard one time a preacher say that the water, when they go on a, a boating trip, right, the water, if it comes into the boat, it will sink the boat. But we can actually use the water to go to the place where we want. If the same water that we are traveling on finds its way inside the boat, it will sink. But when we use them to go from place A to place B, that is, uh, you know, the, that whole journey, you have no idea that you have that strength to go to that place because you used that pain to help you to go to that destiny. Sometimes God wants us to use that pain as a mechanism to take us to the place where he wants us to go, right? If you look back, if I look back at my own life, when I, when I grew up without a father, it was a painful experience at that point in time for me. And uh, going and standing in that line to get that money was a shameful act for me. But God uses that to just like a push through to get to a nation where he is using the same experience to get a better result out of this. So when you are going through a struggle today, don't think that God has allowed it because he is bold and he wants to see some drama in your life and my life. That's not the intent of God. God would never take a pleasure in you and I going through a struggle. Even when we make a mistake and when we are in the wrong side of the fence, God will just still use that to, to, to get us to the destiny that he has planned for us. There was a, a time, uh, there was a civil war that was going on in this country, and uh, the North was fighting against the South, and they went, both of them in different times, went to, to Abraham Lincoln, the then president, and they were asking, is God on our side? Is God on our side? Is, is God on the side of the North? And the South went and asked Abraham Lincoln, is God on our side? Right? And Abraham Lincoln said, it's not about like whether God is on your side, but instead, are you on God's side? When we are in the side of God, sometimes when we make a mistake, we are on the wrong side. 
But when we come and get our life together in, in Christ, then we become a, a part of God's army, God's side, right? And uh, so here, the army is just marching towards the, um, uh, the, the, the land. But one thing that Joshua knows at this point is that God is on his side, right? Today, I don't know what you're going through this morning, but the first question that we need to get clear and clarification on is to know if God is on my side or in and the enemy's side. That's a wrong question to ask. Am I on God's side? Have I just like cleared my path to just like get myself quickly on my knees and get on God's side? Right? And so here, Joshua has actually made a mistake. And Joshua has actually made a wrong treaty with this people called Gibeon, right? And the thing that what pleased God is not that Joshua made a mistake, but Joshua made the amends with God very quickly. Joshua just like a God on God's side very quickly. And that's why God is speaking to Joshua in verse 8. He says, the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. When God, when we are in God's side, then the battle is not yours and mine. It is his. And he is going to go through this battle on your behalf and my behalf. And we don't need to swing the back. He's got it. And after an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took the army, this five nations coming together, that whole army, by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. When we are in God's side, God's going to work in every possible angle on your favor and my favor, right? Here, the first miracle is that God threw confusion before his, the, to, to the enemies, right? So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gideon. When you are fighting against an enemy, a lot of times it's not just your strength that's going to take the enemy down. It is God's enormous amount of power that's going to be working in our behalf. And as we go through this battle that we stand on right now, if the enemy is, is at their full swing, they will take us down, but God will never allow that to happen. That's why he threw confusion into the enemy's camp, and they took him completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going to Beth Horan and cut them down all the way to Azekar and Makeda. 
as they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them. The second miracle that's happening here is God is sending hailstones as big as possible to even kill people. So this must be really a large hailstorm, right? Because the hailstorm's not uh, abnormal. We saw that. Hailstorms are not the miracle. But the hailstones, when it was coming, it was only killing the enemy and not the children of Israel. That's the miracle. That's the second miracle. When the things happen, like COVID happens, and now everybody, trust me, the next two, three months, everybody's going to talk about economy even more than what we've talked about the last eight, nine months. Because we as a nation is going to go through some really hard time from an economy perspective, right? Everybody's predicting. All the numbers are pointing to that we're going to hit some low spots. But know this for sure this morning. Those low spots will never hit us, the ones who are on God's side. You and I will get our provisions taken care of. You and I will get our health taken care of. Yes, there is going to be some recession that is at the brink of coming. Don't complain about the gas prices. Start to drive less if the gas prices are not affordable. But know this for sure, God is not going to let you and me down even through the tough times that we as a nation are going to face before the end of this year. That's what is predicted at this point. And we are going to see that happen all around us. The, the, the things will happen around us. But know this for sure. It will have no impact on your life and my life because we are on God's side. So here is the part that I wanted to spend some time today. On the day, the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel. Right? And Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Adelon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nations avenged itself on its enemies. And it's written in the book of Jephthah. Here's the thing this morning. As we go through, the first thing that I want to say this morning is this. Prayers that we offer today have to be bold as what Joshua has done. God doesn't want us to pray, pray a faithless prayer. Sometimes that we pray as if we don't believe that this is going to happen. Or we even pray like we are involved when we are in the Bible study, when we are in the presence of all these people. We just want to show up 
in front of everybody, like, I'm a man of faith, I'm a woman of faith. We pray so strong and everything. But the moment we leave from the service, the moment we leave and go to the Monday, the moment we just leave the church, we just like get back and act not according to what we prayed, but according to how we fear. But God wants us to pray bold prayers. God doesn't have patience even for ambiguous prayers. God's not into us so that we can, you know, pray some weaker prayers. The whole key, if I just like to take all of what God has done from the beginning of earth to what he did on the rugged cross to what he's going to be doing when the new heavens and earth come down, right? The whole key to our relationship with God is for us to allow God's power to flow through us. If if we don't have that kind of relationship with God, to allow his power to flow through us, then this whole faith is, is wasted. Whole faith is, is of no, no use. Saints, this morning, my prayer and, uh, for me as well as for you is this, that we would allow God's power to flow through us. This relationship that we have with God is something so beautiful. The intimacy that we have with God is just so real that we can even allow God's power to flow through us. Right? From time to time, we're going to run into challenges. We're going to run into conflicts. We're going to get like a, a reports from doctors that say you have a cancer, terminal illness, or stroke, or whatever that it may be. Right? But when we allow God's power to flow through us, when his presence goes through us, right, his kingdom's righteousness flow through us, right, none of those things matter. We can be sitting on the eye of the hurricane, but it will have no effect on you and me. Loss of job or trouble in relationship. In times of darkness. Somebody said this today morning. I think it must be Ms. Katina. She said that there was a dark moment. Every one of us will go through these kind of dark moments in our life when our relationship is tested and challenged. In those kind of moments, we cannot be praying like a golf club. We need to have the bold prayers offered before God. There are enough verses in the Bible that strengthens our claim. In fact, the reason why Joshua was praying that prayer in front of the children of Israel is because he believed in what was prophesied over him. We need to believe that. There are so many times... People prophesy over you, saying, you're going to get well. 
You're going to have that relationship restored. Your daughter will start to speak to you. Your son will come and take care of you. Your, your husband will come through. When people say that after prayer, we have to consume and believe that with the, every cluster of our body. We just take it like a, like a, we take it from one year and leave it on the other. When we have somebody prophesy over us, or when we read God's word, and if God's word is speaking to us, we have to label that verse. We have to label the date and time in which that verse was spoken. We have to take that word literally, because God is speaking to you and me literally on situations. How many times somebody calls you, and it has happened to me, and I have failed in this area. And that's why sometimes these kind of messages, I'm not actually preaching to somebody. I'm actually preaching to myself. Because there were times that people have told me that the oil, that, that the oil has no problem zero. As long as you have the pots and pans, God will fill that pots and pans with oil until you run out of pots and pans. That was a prophecy somebody told me. There was another prophecy someone told me in Raleigh that said, Cyril, God has started a fire in you, and you're going to go around. This is what this woman saw. She said, that as I was going from place to place, I'm actually lifting the light that is already there. The candle was already there in a lot of people's heart. And God was using, and God is going to be using me to lift the candle that's already there in people's heart on fatherlessness and how God's going to bring the fathers back home and how God's going to use this movement of Proverbs 2 to 6, to, to renew the strength. And, and she saw across the nation of America the lights being lit. I pass on to somebody, and they pass on to someone. Then they pass on to another person. So the light keeps spreading. And she said, I saw across this nation this light is coming, not just the, this spark that you have, but God is using. So likewise, God is speaking to everyone through word, through people. When they speak to you, write down in the book that you will remember. Mark the pages of the Bible and date that place. And God spoke to you. Here, Joshua was acting on something that was prophesied over him in Deuteronomy chapter 31 verses 7 and 8. In Deuteronomy 31, 7 and 8, Moses prophesied over Joshua. And here he says, Be strong and courageous, for you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors he would give them. You are the one 
who will divide it among them as their grants of land. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. This one verse must have just lingered in Joshua's head. He will never fail me. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? But we just like to write that in the forehead of our, of our faith. He will never fail you. What a promise that is. He will never fail you. He will never fail me. If I'm going to go for an exam of some kind, God is not going to fail me. If I am going to ask God to do something, he's not going to fail. There is nothing that he doesn't have a control over. The heavens and earth adore him. And if we are going to tell the sun to stand still, that sun that you're praying for will stand still. There was a war in 1944. America faced and the Allied forces were getting ready for the battle. General Eisenhower, he, he was leading this team of people. He had in his hand 4,000 ships, these Allied forces together. They had 4,000 ships. They had 11,000 planes. And they had 3 million soldiers, Marines, airmen and sailors assembled in England prior to sending this troop out on invasion of Normandy on D-Day. General Eisenhower wrote two notes, one to rally the troops to victory and the other in case the invasion of Normandy failed. I'm going to read the letter that he wrote. And in that letter, he says, you are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty, loving people, Everywhere, march with you in company with our brave allies and the brothers in arms on other fronts. You will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed people of Israel. I'm sorry, Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hearted. He will fight savagely. Is there anyone on this line can identify with this enemy 
that is at loose. Many of us, right? He is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He has lost wars and battles, but he is battle-hardened, and he will fight savagely. And the letter goes on, and I'm just going to read only the last portion, and he says, I have full confidence in your coverage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. You will accept nothing less than full victory. But Lord, can let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. This very letter that General Eisenhower wrote Right, applies to each and every one of us in the moments of darkness. We need to know that what we are fighting against, this enemy that is at loose, has done battles, has been equipped, but the one that is on your side can make the sun stand still. Isn't that amazing? The God whom we worship is real. We will face troubles in this life. We will face challenges. We are not in a fairy land. We are not in Disney World where we are like always be in this happy place. We are going to have tough times. But know this for sure. The God whom we worship can make the sun stand still. And, and, and as long as we have that kind of that kind of attitude, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 70, verses 20, because, uh, so um, I'm going to take, I say to you, the second half of it, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, God's not asking for a mountain-sized faith. He's asking for a mustard seed size of faith. And you will say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. I've said this before as well. There were times that I faced with situations that I did not have any energy to fight. There are situations only God can solve my problem. It's a God-sized problem, not my-sized problem, right? And every one of us faced that kind of a problem. And here's the truth. I talked about this earlier. March 2nd, 1994, 6.45 would have been my last second and last minute on this earth. And God stopped those men from pulling that trigger. Between their finger and the trigger, the finger of God was stopping them from moving. Even if they had tried to just like a click that trigger, it wouldn't have happened because the God whom they worship had their hand and the finger right in the middle. And, the, and that moment in time, I have no recollection right now, I may have prayed I do not remember now. I may have prayed to God and said, God, save me right now. Right? 
That one word that I said, God took it and saved my life. Right? And the thing is that when we go through tough times like that, and the prayer that we offer has to come out with the boldness. I'm going to talk about three things that you can carry today with you. And I want this to be written down like a, on, on a paper or, uh, or something that you can put it on the fridge or on the mirror in your bathroom. Write it down, these three things. Right? Because I'm praying that these kind of prayers have to be offered every day. I could be saying so many things, but just hold on to these three. I am free completely. This is number one. I'm free, completely free from any guilt, condemnation, and shame. Right? Because a lot of times we fall into this circle of lies that the enemy throws at us and just makes us to crumble and, and just not stay strong in the Lord. Here are the verses that I want you to write it down in support of this first one. I am free, completely free, from any guilt, condemnation, and shame. All, the, all of them put together. None of them will have any power. Here's my Right. The Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 36, you don't need to write all the words, but just take the reference to these verses so you can write it down later. John 8, 36 says, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Right. These are very powerful and encouraging words. I want you to hold on to because if we believe in the blood, if we believe in the redemption, if we believe in the salvation of the Lord, know this for sure. You are free and I'm free. Right? In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace which he made to bound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. In him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sin is already accomplished. You don't need to carry that anymore. What happened yesterday? I'm not saying that go ahead, keep doing mistakes and call on this verse. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, if the enemy throws at you some guilt and shame and condemnation, you need to claim these verses because just like what Joshua, Joshua probably took only that one sentence that said, God will never fail you. Right? The same way here, we can take these verses and apply Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life 
in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So the number one thing we have to claim every single day, we have to speak to ourselves and we have to speak to the enemy when he brings any remembrance of your past, you have to say, I am free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. From guilt, shame, and condemnation. There's nothing, no stronghold can hold you back. Number two, I will trust the Lord with all my heart, my mind, and my soul, and not fear and anxiety. No anxiety. A lot of times we trust the fear and anxiety more than we trust the Lord. And God is saying, and you trust me over the fear and anxiety. Look what happens to that situation that is standing before you. The mountain will have no chance before you. The choice that we have to make in times of dark times, is this, is, is, is this real? Is this faith that I have in God real? It has to be. During this last couple of days of the interview, one of the questions that was asked was, have you ever felt like quitting Proverbs 36? Have you ever felt that way? No, never, not even one time, not even one time. I, I, I would have even contemplated. They asked Ruth Graham about this, uh, uh, about Billy Graham, um, President Bush's wife, uh, Laura Bush asked her one time, have you ever uh, felt divorcing? Uh, or, or wanted to divorce Billy Graham. And Ruth Graham said, divorce? No. Murder? Yes. She was, she was very strong in saying that she would have never walked away from that marriage in spite of whatever she was going through. Sometimes it's really hard. This life is hard. Sometimes things come to us in, in large number. Uh, of issues come to us at the same time. We need to trust God. That's why we talked about this even in the past. When someone gives their life to Christ, we just like to ask this question, do you accept him as the father? It's just such a weak choice of words. Why? Because will you actually go to your son or daughter and tell them, will you accept me as your mom? Will you accept me as my uh, as your dad? Really? Whether they accept me or not, I'm the dad. Whether they accept me or not, I'm the mom. I just gave birth to you. You don't really need to accept that fact. I'm already your mom. You were part of my body. You just came out of my womb. You are a a life that actually resided in my body, right? It's not about whether you accept 
me as a mom or not. I am your mom. But the real question that we should ask is this. Will you trust me when the, the, the going gets tough? Will you trust me to let go of your hands? Will you trust me to have my hands be yours? Will you trust it? God, with all your heart, mind, and soul, if you have prayed over something, you and I have to trust that God will take care of him. No fear, no anxiety have a chance when God is swinging the bat. When you and I are on God's side, we can trust him with all of our hearts, mind, and soul. The Bible says he is looking for someone. He's looking for the one who trusts in him, who has a loyalty towards him. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, be anxious for nothing. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Will you trust him? If you do trust him, you need to say that to yourself every single day. You need to say that to your heart, mind, and soul, saying, I know this fear and anxiety is trying to overtake me, God, but in the middle of all these things, I trust you. In the middle of my problem, I'm going to trust you, Father. The faith to trust God is a choice that you and I have to make. Faith is a choice, not something that we can't consume all by ourselves. Faith is a choice. Faith to trust Him is a choice over fear and anxiety. That's why Psalmist is saying, David is saying in Psalm 20, verse 7, some trust in chariots and others in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 and 37, there was a man who comes and asks Jesus, Jesus, you're talking about so many commandments. We have so much already written. You're adding more to the commandments that we've already got. The Ten Commandments is there. We've written so many commandments. And Jesus says to him, says to this teacher, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And we love the God in that fashion, in that kind of love and intimacy with God, will generate a trust in him that is beyond what we can think. If you love your children, which we all do, right? We love our sons. We love our daughters, right? And when they come to you with a problem, will you look the other way? 
or you will turn around and jump all over for them. If a carnal man like you and me can feel so much for our sons and daughters, how much more will the Heavenly Father jump in your battle to fight for? That's why the number two thing that we have to write on a piece of paper or on the mirror, I will trust my God with all my heart, mind, and soul. Not the chariots, not the money, not the resources that I have, not the lawyer, not the manager at work, but for you, God, in, in, in everything that I have, I'm going to trust you. Write that in a piece of paper today. Put it somewhere. Number three, that we need to say to ourselves is this. I am protected against all harm, sickness, and evil through the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm protected against all harm, sickness, and evil through the blood of Jesus Christ. Even before that Christ's blood was shed, Psalmist is writing in Psalm 91 verses 10 and 11, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. How much more assurance do you need this morning than this verse? Psalm 91, this is 10 and 11 says, No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you with all your ways. In all your ways. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3 says, And I pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people for not everyone has faith, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Isaiah chapter 54, verses 17 says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servant of the Lord, and the righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Your righteousness is from the Lord. So this morning, those three things I want you to hang on to. Number one, we need to say with all boldness, the verses, the, not just the verses that I told you, you can pick on another verse that attached that to these three statements. Number one, I am free, completely free from any guilt, condemnation, and shame. Number two, I will trust in the Lord with all my heart, my mind, and soul, and not fear, nor anxiety. Number three, which is more important, I am protected 
against all harm, sickness, and evil through the blood shed on the rugged cross. Write it down and just start to pray. So, the number one thing today I want to leave behind is this. If you believe the sun to stand still in your life, you and I need to start to pray boldly before God. The second thing we need to pray specifically, Joshua said, he didn't say sun stand still. That wasn't just the sentence he prayed for. He said, sun stand still over Gibeon, O moon over the valley of Azalur. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation avenged itself on its enemies. That's what Joshua chapter 10 verses 12 and 13 says. We are not in a beauty pageant to pray for world peace and say ta-ta from the stage. The, the prayers, many times our prayers are so ineffective because they are too general. We must pray for specific things to happen. We must use God's word in our prayer. Next time when someone asks you to pray and bless the food, don't just say, God bless this food. You do not know what verses that God's going to remind you to bless the food. But use God's word as you bless the food. Right? If someone's asking you to pray for their sickness, don't just say, God, you know, restore the sickness. But instead, use the verse that says, by his stripes we are healed. That's your word. Says by your stripes, we are healed. If someone says, oh, I'm just like a tired of my son not speaking to me or my daughter not working with me, you need to claim the words that says, that your word says, I will restore the years the locust has chewed. God, restore right now what the locust has chewed in this relationship. Use God's word. Be specific when we pray. It's almost like we want God to get out of jail pass prayer. God, if it is your will, let the sickness be removed. Courage. It is God's will to get your sickness cured and restored. It is, it is your job and my job not to give excuse for God. Your job and my job is to make an appeal before God. What he does with that, it is his problem. And my job is to just make an appeal before God and not tell him how he should solve my problem. I really like what Jabez prayed in First Chronicles chapter 4. He said, God, you bless me. Enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm. So I will be free from pain. And the Bible says God granted his request. The third and final point that I want to make today is this. If you're in the battle and you're doing something about the battle, while you're in the battle, pray simultaneously. First one, pray boldly. 
Number two, pray specifically. And number three, pray simultaneously. Sometimes it's very hard to get out of the situation that we are in. We're walking in the battlefield. The, the battle is intense. The war is real. Those five kings coming against the Gideon was already happening. They were already attacking. And they're attacking. You're not going to be there and stand still. Your instinct is just going to creep up and you're going to have to do something. You have to still wake up in the morning. You still have to go to work. You still have to do the chores that is needed at home. But while you're doing all those things, continue to pray in your heart, God, just give me strength today. God, give me the energy today. God, give me the, 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 the encouragement today. God, give me the hope today. God, give me the, the, the fighting spirit today. God, give me the anointing today. God, give me the grace today. God, give me the mercy today. God, give me your goodness today. Continue to pray like that while you're walking through the valley of shadow of death because no evil can overtake us. This morning, saints, here is the word of encouragement. There's so many things that I said today. I do not know what is going to resonate for you. One last verse for you to hang on to is Psalm 55, 16. It says very clearly, no matter what goes on, what comes in, the psalmist is saying in Psalm 55, 16, as for me, doesn't matter what's going on, as for me, I shall call upon God and the Lord will save me. That's all. If we condense everything that I said today, it just boils down to this. As for me, I shall call upon the Lord and the Lord will save me. In this walk with the Christ, God never said, you and I will not have a problem. He will. But the promise is, he will never fail you. The promise is, he will save you from the mighty clay. And he will lift you and me up and put us on the stone where our feet will not be shaken. Skatina. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Cyril. A lot said today. A lot said. A lot to think about. There were some things that really stuck out at me as I thought about your points. And the one, the first thing was, is that Joshua was tricked. And I kept trying to figure out exactly, like, what did Joshua do to actually be disobedient towards the Lord? And now I realize that what happened was Joshua was tricked in the beginning. And despite being tricked, he still joined forces with the enemy. He joined forces with the people that was trying to take down the children of Israel and thus was disobedient unto God. And how many times do we fall short 
like Joshua, where we do the things that we know that the Lord is commanding us not to do, when for a moment we join forces with the enemy, just out of our own will, just out of satisfying our own fleshly desires, just out of just not even knowing sometimes, or maybe we do know, but we just don't care for a moment. For a moment, we just want self-gratification, or maybe even it's out of control that we join forces with the enemy. And we have to weigh that on both sides of the scale, because I'm thinking about, okay, well, did Joshua join forces with the enemy because he knew that that wasn't the own that Gideon and A was not the only enemies that he was fighting against? And maybe he might have been trying to keep his enemies close so that he could know how to fight and he could know how to battle against the enemy. So if that was the case, then that's a good point to be able to take away. Because if we know that the enemy knows the word and he tries to use the word against us in order to try to take us out, in order to try to get us to join forces with him and join his side of the fence, shouldn't we much more be able to use the word against him as we're keeping him close to us? If we know that he is trying to get us closer to him, how much more should we also be looking at him and saying, okay, I know you're there, I see you trying to work, but the same way how you try to use my Lord's word against me to get me to join forces with you, I'm going to use my Lord's word against you to counter against your attempt. Or are we, on the other hand of the scale, actually joining forces with him and grieving the Lord? in our attempt to want to try to control or fix the situation. So there are a couple of ways to look at this, and and I'm sorry if I'm confusing anyone, but I'm trying to get you to see that God, one, grieves him, and one, satisfies him. One is a counteract against the enemy, and one is a joining forces with the enemy. But what Joshua did apparently grieved the Lord. But Joshua was quick to want to try to rectify that thing. So no matter which side of the fence we're on or what we're trying to do, if we are not doing the right thing and if God is pressing it upon our hearts that we didn't handle that situation right the way that he apparently pressed it upon Joshua's heart, that he didn't handle that situation right, are we quick to want to go to the Lord in repentance are we quick to want to humble ourselves towards the Lord and rectify that situation and cry out to the Lord? And Joshua was quick to try to fix the situation that wasn't right with the Lord. Will you be quick to go back and think about those things that you may not have done that was right? Think about the things that the Lord may have asked you to do that you just didn't do. Think about the things where he may have asked you to do something, but you just may not have handled it right. Will you rectify that thing today? Will you be like Joshua, and will you cry out to the Lord? Will you humble yourself? Will you repent to the Lord? Go to him, and will you ask him the miracle that's needed in your life? 
in order for you to be able to win the battle? Because until the Lord comes back, we're always going to be in battle. We're always going to be fighting against something, some situation, some person, some enemy, something. It's always going to be something. We are constantly in battle. Will you go like Joshua and humble yourself, cry out to the Lord, and pray boldly, pray pacifically, pray simultaneously while you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, fearing no evil. God is with you. His rod and his staff, they comfort you. Boldly pray. Specifically pray. Simultaneously pray. Will you be like Joshua and pray in front of a mass of people? Joshua humbled himself and he prayed in front of Israel. Specifically that the sun will stand still and the moon would stop. Israel will have the chance that they needed in the times they needed in order to be able to take over the enemy? Will you go before the Lord boldly and specifically and ask him for what exactly what it is that you need him to do? I was thinking about my family, my brother's situation, and I prayed this week and I asked him, I said, God, thank you for bringing him to the place where you have him at today. I thank you for where he's at today. But God, can I ask you for something for him tomorrow? Can I ask you that you will have a job ready, waiting for him, lined up for him? Well, I, can I ask you that you will give him the desires of his heart, and that is to work, that is to be able to get to work? Can I ask you to grant him a car so he can get there? Can I ask you to have him a job ready, waiting on him? Can I ask you to start setting it up now? Can you be pacific? God doesn't want want us to come before him with the same prayers. God, let your will be done. Let your will be done. Let your will be done. Yeah, we want his will to be done, but can we be pacific in our prayers? Can you change your prayer just a little bit and be more meaningful, be more pacific, go more boldly towards towards God? God? Joshua asked God for something from the universe that only God can give, that only God could grant. That was something he needed the sun to stand still and the moon to stop. Man can't do that. Only God can do that. Is there something that only God can do that you need God to show up in the life of you, that you need God to show up on your job? Do you need God to show up in your marriage? Do you need God to show up and the lives of your children? Do you need God to show up in the lives of your siblings? Do you need God to show up as only he can of your parents? My mother's desire is to work again. My prayer has changed. Okay, God, I see you working. I see what you're doing. I see you improving your memory. But can you have her work again one day? place her on a part-time job so she'll be able to do the things that she likes to do, and that's talking to people, encouraging people in the Lord, worshiping the people, telling people about a man. Get him back there. Go boldly, saints. Specifically, 
God simultaneously walking in the battle. Joshua was acting on what was already prophesied to him. Moses had prophesied that Joshua would lead the people to the promised land and that he should be courageous and strong, that the Lord would never leave him nor abandon him. Has the Lord ever told you anything while you were on your knees in prayer? Has he ever spoken to you while you were driving in the car and told you a word? Has the Holy Spirit ever showed up and showed you something on a billboard that you receive in your heart that you know was from him? Have you ever been listening to the radio station in the car and there was something that was said that you received in your spirit? That you know that that was a word from the Lord in that moment when you really needed it? Regurgitate those things. Remind the Lord of the words that were already spoken. Has he taken you to a specific word of passage when you really needed it that encouraged your soul? Remind the Lord of the words of the scripture. Has God ever sent a, a, prophet, a, prophet, a prophet to you that spoke a word over your life that you received? Remind God of the words. I remember that I had a prophet that came to me, more than one actually, that keep telling me that I'm going to write this book, that I'm going to write this book. I, I, you know, I have to remind God, God, if this is what you would have me do, I remember your word. Make it so. Put the desire in me that I will be bold and I will stretch and I will reach and I will write. Gain a joy of writing. Whatever the purpose is that you have, whatever that thing is that's in my belly that you want me to write, whatever that book is that you've already put down on the inside of me, God, make it real, manifest itself. Remind God of the word. Not by my, my strength and my power, but it's going to be by the Lord's strength and the Lord's power that I'm going to be able to write the words of the Lord. Only he knows what the title already is. Only he knows who the people are that's going to buy the book. Only he knows what the words are that's going to be written on the pages. Remind him. Joshua reminded the Lord of the word that was already prophesied over him. God, simultaneously, specifically, boldly, while you're already in battle. Our relationship should be so strong with the Lord that the Lord's power will flow through us and the Lord will show up. He will respond on our behalf. He will come out of this battle unscathed. unscathed. The children of Israel, they came out of the hailstorm unscathed, but the enemies were taken out. God wants to show up in your situation, in your situation, in my situation, the same way he wants to take out the enemy and we come out unscathed. So as we're going in battle, praying boldly, praying specifically, and praying simultaneously, let's not forget our three points that we need to take with us today, take with us this week. I am completely free from guilt condemnation and shame. John 8 verse, John chapter 8 verse 36 says, if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. You can look at the enemy and tell him, you know what, you can might as well stop reminding me of that old thing because I am free from that. I am no longer guilty of that. I no longer have condemnation nor shame from that situation.
situation. So you might as well just forget it. I'm not going to believe those lies anymore. One says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I am in Christ. Talk to him. Remind him of the thing. He tries to use the Lord's word against you, so counter it back. Put it back on him. No condemnation. We have redemption through his blood, and the forgiveness of sin is already accomplished. I'm forgiven of that thing. I'm free. I'm guiltless. No condemnation. I'm sh- I don't have any shame over that thing anymore. Completely free. Number two, I will trust the Lord with all my heart, mind, and soul. And fear and anxiety, they have no chance. Will you tell them that this week? Will you remind yourself of that this week? Will you write it down? Will you put it on your mirror like my mom was saying that she was doing before? Write it down. Look at it daily. Put it on a sticky note. Put it in your car, wherever you need to put it at. Remind yourself you're free and you can trust the Lord. 22.7 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your soul. Trust him. And love him. All your heart, mind, and soul. Philippians 4, 6, be not anxious for nothing. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, make your request known. We don't have to worry. We don't have to fear. We don't have to be anxious about that thing. Fear, they have no chance. But what does have a chance? The very thing that we take to the Lord, prayer and supplication. I am protected against all harm, sickness, and evil through Jesus Christ. I love that one. I am protected all harm, sickness, and evil. Blood of Jesus Christ. The blood still works, y'all. Psalms 91, 10, 11 says, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near you. The tent, angels that will surround themselves around you, that will encamp themselves around you. I'm pulling pieces here, but y'all can go back and read it. We have an angel, a body of angels that God has assigned to us that have encamped themselves around us. No sickness, no evil. They don't have a chance. Second Thessalonians, we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, says the scripture. Five, four, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Battle is already won, but as we go through the battle, getting to the end result, find yourself of those things today. Be free from guilt, condemnation, and shame. Trust in the Lord, and you are protected. One of the things that I also found as I was studying Joshua was, do you know that 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 that, that uh, you, you see it everywhere on all kinds of, of writings. It says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Coined from Joshua, from the book of Joshua. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. As for you and your house, you will serve the Lord. Are you loyal towards him today? 
Will you take back what the enemy has tried to steal from you? Will you be like Joshua and remind the Lord of all the things that he promised you? And will you stay loyal as you're doing it? You're free. You can trust, and you're protected on today. Pastor Cyril. Amen, amen. The things, as as uh, studying, I was just like uh, talking through, I was just like reminded, uh, one of the quotes from Pastor Stephen in his book, Sun Stand Still, he says, if you are not daring to believe God or the impossible, that's a choice. It's a choice. Amen. You can believe God, or you don't need to believe God. But if you dare to believe God, and and just like know that I, what He can do for you and He can do for me, if you are not daring to believe, that's how He quotes it. If you're not believe, daring to believe, you may be sleeping through some of the best parts of your Christian life. Amen. Amen. The thing is that you know I've quoted this so many times. Uh, you know, we may be sleeping through the best parts of our Christian life if we don't remind the enemy those things. And if we don't remind ourselves those things, we may just like let those battles just overtake us. This morning as we go through the communion, I just pray that God will strengthen.